The Hub is a community. Manuscript, book, and print cultures. Stamping problems. You are listening to a podcast by the Trinity Long Room Hub Arts and Humanities Research Institute. The Hub is a space celebrating tenure through the community. The Hub is about impact. Good evening. Uh, good evening, everyone, to the Art and Science Reading Group. Um, an initiative uh, by Autumn Brown and Amelia McConville and supported by Science Gallery Dublin and uh, Trinity Long Room Hub. This is the first um, online uh, manifestation of the reading group and uh, it is really a wonderful opportunity to kick off this um, series in, uh, in conversation with Mary Dillon, uh, an extraordinary uh, botanical artist who indeed will, uh, will be in conversation with us um, tonight. And um, this is uh, uh, the reading group, uh, I must say, is one of the most satisfying experiences for, for me. Uh, and it's a beautiful, beautiful um, uh, initiative indeed of the Trinity Long Room Hub and, and Science Gallery. Uh, for for a number of reasons, I I, I was uh, I was pleased to participate in the in the reading room in its uh, physical manifestation, which was uh, uh, held uh, uh, alternatively in in the Trinity Long Room Hub and in the Cafe at Science Gallery. Um, the uh, the good thing of tonight is that it's much much larger group, so uh, I think also the discussion will be will be really interesting. And and it is indeed. Um, it is a wonderful space for a free discussion and sometimes even dissent. And I think, you know, we cannot underestimate the importance of having a space where we can uh, talk about important, uh, purposeful, meaningful uh, topics in respect with each other in a very, very free way, which is a characteristic of the academic environment, but it is actually a value that is fundamental for society. And indeed, having this, this space for a free discussion and, uh, and dissent, as I like to say, it is really wonderful and, and fantastic. But it is also a celebration of um, going beyond the boundaries of science. And I, I don't want to, to say anything about the topic tonight because it really, um, reading the, the, the paper that was, uh, that was suggested as a, as a reading tonight, you really see how through the combination of art and science and, the, and the, the role of the humanities, we can actually go beyond the boundaries of, of science. And it's a beautiful concept that, that can, be, uh, can be understood and, uh, and explored in every, every, every discipline. And, and the reading group is, is, a, is a really terrific way to, to understand the importance of this. Um, and uh, it is also a collaborative space. Uh, as I said, this is, uh, this is a collaboration between uh, Science Gallery and the Trinity Long Room Hub. And, and there are, uh, uh, collaboration is always indeed mentioned and we know that it is beautiful and difficult. Um, tonight is, I think, an example of the beauty because uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a simple and beautifully simple event, but so, so powerful. And it really, uh, it is a perfect manifestation and perfect example of bringing together people with different backgrounds, different and complementary uh, skills and approaches. And, uh, and therefore, indeed, it's a, it's a, it's a perfect way uh, to, uh, to do our, our activities. And, uh, and finally, and I would say, uh, from my perspective, and definitely for the, for the role of Science Gallery, the most important aspect, it is student-driven. This is really an initiative that Amelia 
and autumn uh, uh, bring and, and, and develop. And it's really beautiful to see how uh, students indeed can um, uh, be the, the leaders in, in this kind of initiative. So it's really a, a, a fantastic uh, event and I'm, I'm thrilled really to be part of this and for, for those indeed who work with me know, know how, how uh, committed I, I, I am for, for, for this initiative. So um, I will uh, leave now to Jane Olmeyer, the director of the Trinity Long Room Hub, to introduce Autumn and uh, Amelia and uh, the rest of the evening. Uh, thank you so much indeed for, uh, for being with us uh, uh, tonight and I look forward to the conversation. Thank you, Andrea, for those warm words. Uh, like you, it's always a privilege to collaborate with the Science Gallery. My name is Jane Olmeyer. I'm the director of the Trinity at Longroom Hub, which is our research institute in the arts and humanities. And in the hub, we do three things. We celebrate the excellence of the arts and humanities. We promote interdisciplinarity. And tonight is a fabulous example uh, of it. And then the third thing that we do is public humanities. And I think this is a cracking example of that too. And it is fantastic to see so many people joining us online. Um, one of the best parts of being director of the Trinity Long Room Hub is having the opportunity to interact with some amazing early career researchers. They're amongst the most innovative and creative colleagues I have. And Autumn and Amelia are fabulous examples uh, of our amazing early career researchers in the hub. So I'm also, uh, like Andrea, just so supportive of uh, what you're doing here. And uh, I want to congratulate you and to thank you. And I know tonight's gonna to be a huge success, but I would like to say a few words of introduction and I'll start with Autumn. Um, her research is interested in examining the role of art science spaces in reflecting patterns of the scientific and technological imagination, as well as the impacts on the future culture of scientific research and technological innovation. Autumn spends a lot of time in science galleries, so she's really um, putting into practice these ideas she's developing. She divides her time between science gallery and the hub. She has a fascinating background in oncology research and a master's degree in science communication and public engagement from the University of Edinburgh. And obviously, Autumn, we are so delighted to have you with us here in Trinity uh, and in, in the Hub and the Science Gallery. Um, her co, I was gonna say partner in crime uh, is Amelia McConville, um, who's also a PhD student. Uh, she's researching contemporary visual and experimental poetry from both a literary and a neurohumanities perspective. So for me, Amelia embodies interdisciplinarity as well. Her research um, engages with challenging poetic uh, works that exhibit both verbal and visual elements and considers how exploring poetry studies uh, and aspects of cognitive science simultaneously has potential for mutual benefit to both uh, disciplines. Amelia is a graduate of Trinity. Uh, she worked for a year in the Trinity uh, Development and Alumni Office before starting her PhD in uh, 2018. So without further ado, Amelia and Autumn, I'm gonna hand the floor back to you 
and again congratulations on all of your hard work i know it's going to be an absolutely cracking evening Well, thank you, Jane. We'll try our very best not to let you down. Um, <laughs> uh, and thank you too to Andrea for that lovely introduction. Um, and thank you to you all for coming and joining us tonight. Um, from our quarantine caves to yours, wherever you are in the world, we're so glad to have you with us um, talking about art, science, um, botanical drawings, botanical illustrations, and um, breaking down barriers uh, for, for women sneaking into the back door of science uh, way back when. We're so, so excited as well to have the fabulous Mary Dillon with us, um, botanical artist uh, extraordinaire. Um, Amelia has, had, uh, has, has made the introduction with the fabulous Mary Dillon. This is very much a two-hander. Um, sometimes when I'm a little science heavy, um, Amelia helps, helps <laughs> me bring it back to an, an arts and science balanced place. So um, Amelia, if you wouldn't mind giving Mary Dillon a little bit of an introduction and letting the folks at home know what she's all about. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Autumn. And thank you once again, um, Andrea and Jane, for those very, very kind introductions. And like we said, we hope we won't let you down and, and that, uh, <laughs> the event and our series, in fact, that li lives up to the to the hype because um, we so appreciate it. We literally could not do this without the support of both the Long Room Hub and uh, the Science Gallery Dublin, both giving us geographical and intellectual space and now virtual space to, to work together. So thank you so much for, for that. Um, we are so delighted to have Mary Dillon with us here tonight. Um, when we originally uh, were planning this series for our in-person um, meetups in the Science Gallery Cafe, as Andrea um, said, we, uh, yeah, we, we had planned sort of to discuss, I mean, the, just these articles and the texts and stuff. And then when, with the transition to, to virtual format for pretty much everything, we started to think about how we might run the series virtually. And uh, the sky suddenly became our limit because we realized that, um, again, geographical space is no longer an object, so it'd be one, uh, an objection. So we could, we, we were able to, uh, to yeah, invite people to, to tune in via Zoom. And thank God Mary uh, jumped at the chance and we're so delighted for her enthusiasm. Um, she is, I know um, Autumn is the one in the field of science communication, but I think Mary's communication skills um, struck me immediately in our preliminary conversations, uh, just how passionate she is about uh, botanical art and just communicating uh, um, what her work and her practice is about. Um, so I'll, I'll give Mary's formal bio now and then we'll say maybe a note about how the structure of the reading group is going to run itself um, and then how we're going to run our the kind of collaborative and um, uh, I suppose the Q&A section of it that involves our participants who are all tuning in. Um, so yeah, so Mary, it's my pleasure to introduce Mary. Um, she is an Irish botanical artist and her work has been exhibited internationally, most recently in Florence, Germany, Vienna, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, San Francisco, Madrid, Frankfurt and London. She was a key contrib contributor to the Drawn From Nature Irish Botanical Art Exhibition in the National Gallery of Ireland, which would be running even now if we're not for the virus, unfortunately. So that exhibition is currently postponed, but uh, we do hope that actually th that this session will be a nice, um, a taster of um, some of the art that's on display there. And once our cultural institutions and museums reopen, hopefully everybody will, will plan a trip to National Gallery um, travel allowing. Um, Mary's also a fellow member of the Society of Botanical Artists at UK and a member of the Watercolour Society of Ireland 
Ireland and she's a founding chairperson of the Irish Society of Botanical Art. She teaches in Barcelona, Greece, the US, Ireland and was on the teaching team of the Chelsea School of Botanical Art in London. Mary has a particular fascination with botanical art as a personal process for the artist while at the same time striving for excellence in her art practice. Um, so yeah I think that gives a, a lovely taster of um, who Mary is and uh, how she approaches her work as uh, which is a, a vital part of the discussion that I, I think is I'm really looking forward to delving into a little bit more um, over the course of our hour together. Um, in terms of the structure of, of this reading group, um, we have our introductions pretty much out of the way. So what we're going to do is um, we're still we still like to keep the sort of um, slightly informal element to it as well. And um, this is a collaborative space um, for ideas and for discussions and conversations. So considering we've Mary in as our as our experts, um, Autumn and I would like to structure a kind of Q and A with her um, that we run for about 20-25 minutes, um, asking her a little bit about her practice. Um, she's going to speak to us about a, a few different areas, um, like how she came to her practice, what her process is like and we're going to touch on some of the points that we mentioned in our introduction um, about uh, I suppose yeah this idea of women um, in botan botanical art um, Mary's going to talk specifically about some personal connections she has with botanical artists uh, from history uh, which I'm looking forward to to that section as well um, and then I think at about um, seven or five past seven we're going to open up um, the Q&A to our participants so the way we'd like people to um, submit questions or comments um, is that there's a Q&A function down at the bottom of Zoom. Um, it should be relatively easy to find, so hopefully it's, it's clear enough there for everybody. Um, so if you want to submit your questions through the Q&A function or your comments, um, and what we'll do is we'll open that up at, like I said, at about five past seven, um, and we'll see how the conversation develops from there. Um, feel free to do this during the conversation with Mary, during our Q&A um, that we're going to kick off with mm -hmm. now. Um, and yeah, we'll just see where the conversation goes. Um, and please don't be shy. We really do want this to be as collaborative as possible. Um, so if you have any sort of question or comment um, at all, please do put it in, into, the, into the function. Um, just finally then, before we jump into our Q&A, we, we'd love to, myself and Autumn would love to remind you, uh, everyone that's attending, that this is the first uh, virtual of our, um, of our um, reading group, but it's, it's actually going to be a series. So we're, we have a um, pretty jam-packed and intense schedule. It's going to be a fortnightly reading group. Um, and our next one is going to take place we'll say we'll repeat all this information at the end as well but our next one is going to take place um on the 20th of may uh, which is a wednesday same sort of time and we're going to be looking at poetry and bacteria uh which i'm very excited about um as it, as it focuses on um i suppose yeah an, an area that i'm particularly interested in and maybe autumn might say a little bit more about what else we have planned in our series give you guys a taster yeah, so I should also say, like, the way that this started, um, first we, we were meeting um, at the Science Gallery Cafe, and so it was great to have these really informal discussions about uh, things that both Amelia and I were reading and seeing this incredible overlap between art and science and the way in which they kind of empowered and impacted one another. Um, so we really do encourage you guys to pipe up, speak up um, through, throughout the discussion, submit those questions, submit comments as well, and we'll be sure to read them out at the end. We're so excited to, to hear what you guys think um, and, and to, yeah, just have a proper informal discussion um, as much as we can in this virtual space. Uh, but we are going to be exploring some really, really wildly diverse topics. We're going to be talking about uh, Carl Sagan and Voyager. We're going to be listening to the Golden Record and thinking about the stories that are flying out into the cosmic wilderness. Um, we'll be taking a deep dive into the Hadal Zone um, and the Twilight Zone of our world's oceans and discussing this, the creatures that we 
think are there. Um, and the monster drawings from uh, old maps and here and there be dragons. And we'll be discussing poetry from uh, Seamus Heaney to Christian Bogue. We'll be having readings from the mother of the modern environmentalist movement, Rachel Carson. Um, we'll be talking about robots and gender, potentially mathematics, and a really extraordinary philosopher and mathematician um, who blew off his hand with dynamite. Um, we'll be keeping it interesting, exciting, and always at, at the crossroads of art and science. Um, so we hope that you guys will continue to join us there. Brilliant. Um, so, yeah, I think the only thing left to do now is to start our Q&A with Mary. So, Mary, thank you for bearing with us through that extensive list of, um, <laughs> of uh, introductions. Um, once again, we're so delighted to have you with us here tonight. Thank you for inviting me and it's a real pleasure and a great honour. So I'm looking forward to it and uh, yeah, it sounds, it sounds great. I'm looking forward to the next half hour or so with you. So. Absolutely. Thank you. So I suppose, um, <laughs> of course, so I suppose um, one of the first things that I wanted to talk to you about that we all wanted to, to um, engage you about um, is your actual creative practice and your process itself. Um, I know in the reading material that we um, that we sent out to people, um, I know that reading material was available for people. We recommended having a quick look at it. No problem if you didn't, but we recommended having a quick look at it um, before our session because we selected those readings because they give a really wonderful sense of context for the for the conversation we're going to have. And one thing that struck me from the Better Than a Thousand Words article um, that hopefully people might have got a chance to look at um, is this concept of the this this kind of, I suppose, this tension between um, the the botanical illustration as representation um, that links to the scientific urge to categorize things versus the aesthetic dimension of the botanical text um, versus the, the kind of how, how it's re represented artistically. Um, and there was a really interesting point that I felt in the reading that other people might have picked up on again um, about this sense of readability, this readability of the subject and how the um, the plant subject can be represented um, on the page by the botanical artist. And I suppose, um, Mary, I suppose to, to jump off the, the, um, the, the conversation, I'd love to ask you, um, how do you approach the readability of your, um, your subjects? Um, how do you, when you're starting to plan a painting, how do you sit down? How, how is your actual artistic subject, your, your plant or your leaf or whatever you're, you're approaching? Where is that and how do you start? Well, I, you know, I suppose one of the things that um, might be worth kind of, you know, acknowledging and, and I've no doubt that, um, you know, those who've had a look at the reading material will have noticed is that, you know, a botanical illustration or a botanical art piece is quite different to, say, a floral painting or a, a piece of art that, you know, shows a subject within, say, a landscape. Um, the whole purpose of botanical art or botanical illustration is to do just what you said. It's to isolate the plant and to depict the plant in either, you know, a moment or time or along, you know, in, in, inclusive of the entire kind of um, timeline of the life of the plant. So, I suppose isolating the plant and depicting it with uh, either a white background and increasingly more and more people are, are kind of introducing darker backgrounds as they might have done say in around the 
you know, around the 18th century. Um, that's kind of one of the things that kind of really marks out a botanical, a piece of botanical art. Um, I suppose for me, I, I would say that I began life as a botanical artist from having, I suppose, having spent many years working as a floral artist. So for me, I suppose, you know, the plant and, and organic forms themselves would have been my initial kind of inspiration. And having spent, I suppose, about, you know, 10 years or so working as a watercolorist full time, painting botanical art in almost, well, when I say botanical art, it would have been more floral art, but in an almost semi-representational way. It got to a point for me where it was just pure curiosity and inquiry that brought me kind of along the path of, of going down and investigating botanical art as an art form for myself. So, yeah, I'd say it was just, you know, curiosity, wanting to know a little bit more about my subject. And, you know, I suppose initially um, when I was working as an artist and finding that I was kind of constantly drawn towards painting plants, it would have been, you know, form, colour, um, very much kind of the emotive um, inspiration that would have kind of been my motivation and to a large degree that is still the case for me but I am a very curious person and I think when you're curious and you know I mean I suppose many many years ago when I was a child growing up science would have been a you know a real fascination for me and I would say actually for many years when I was in school I kind of my intention was that I would end up doing a degree in science. And then, you know, suddenly in my leaving search year, I don't know what happened. <laughs> but, I, but I started to kind of think about theology. And so, <laughs> so I ended up doing a degree in theology and education and history instead. Um, but my fascination for science never left me. And um, yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting to think in terms of, botanical art as an opportunity to isolate and to focus and to you know examine the detail and um, for me when I was painting as a as a floral artist and painting it was mainly with watercolors that I was working but I found that I really wasn't kind of getting enough information into my work and the more I looked at plants, the more I examined plants through uh, a little hand lens that I would have used maybe when I was, you know, walking, going for a walk and looking at plants in the hedgerow, the more I wanted to know about them. And then the more I felt compelled to capture that in a portrait or in a, in a plant portrait. So, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting, but I think, you know, to isolate the subject really throws the spotlight and for me I have such a huge fascination for plants and for um, even capturing a moment a plant in a moment in time in its life mm. cycle that I feel you know and I'm, I'm doing this now maybe for only about six years 
um, six or seven years. But I feel I'm only, I, I'm only tipping the iceberg with where I want to go in terms of botanical art. So, that's I don't know. It's, it's, it's an amazing, um, amazing um, to get an insight into your process, Mary, and, and particularly what you were saying there about that idea of capturing your plant, the plant study in an instance of time has really resonated um, with myself and Autumn when we were discussing your work. Um, and I know, again, for participants, hopefully everybody got a chance to look at the, um, the beautiful paintings that you shared with us and they were attached in a PDF. But just what, what you said there about um, this, again, coming back to this idea of plants um, in an instance of time. I know both me and Autumn were looking at your, is it the Nerines study? I, ho I hope I'm pronouncing that right. The one behind you. Yeah, yeah when we were coming up to this. Yeah. <laughs> When we were coming up to the discussion, I was so excited about this. And another thing that kind of I was just listening to you to you talk, and we've only had a couple um, discussions, you and I. Oh yeah, I'm going to share my screen here. I hope everyone can see this. Amazing, um, Amelia, genius. Um, can everybody see that there? It disappeared. Bring oh, it back. Yeah, I'll just try one more time. We're having we're experimenting right now live. There we go. <laughs> yes. Absolutely gorgeous. This was one of the ones, this is, I don't know if it's okay to express to an artist that you, you, you have favorites, but of all of them, the texture in this one, the color, it was just so gorgeous. You can, you can see the wind and I don't really know all of that much about art. I also wanted to say when you were talking about um, science and being constantly curious, it does seem that art is now honestly another another kind of means of inquiry another way to ask questions mm -hmm. and to answer questions and we'll get into a little bit more of that later on in our talk um but one of the other questions that popped up uh while you were speaking is and just a technical question <laughs> um do you go outside and actually take clippings of the plants that you're going to draw and take them into your studio are you literally out there paints in hands in the grass out there with them or are you working off of photographs so as just a technical process mm. maybe even to discuss it in terms of this particular gorgeous painting and um, hey. how does that work actually a combination of all of the above <laughs> so Nothing, i love it yeah no uh, and initially i suppose you know well first of all just to explain the process is an extremely lengthy process for somebody like me Okay, um, there are people who work faster than I, and there are people maybe who take a little bit longer, but um, I tend to work on a piece over a very long period of time. The work, you know, when I am working, it is, I suppose I, t I like detail and I like to capture every single nuance of, you know, color, form, light, and that takes time, you know? Um, I start normally by, you know, I, sometimes I, I find that I might, I might want to paint something and look for something that captures my attention. Or more often than not, I just happen upon a subject. So it could be with this particular subject, uh, with these Noreen's, I found them actually in a garden in a house that um, is in Dundrum. I don't even know officially whether I should admit that. <laughs> I 
anyway, it's out there. I'm going to say it. The house was a house that was visited by Robert Emmett. And it's in Dundrum. And I was visiting a friend um, who happened to be close by. And we, um, we were going for a walk and I spotted these Nareens. And they just jumped out at me. Now, they weren't quite as they are there. Um, but I just thought they were so fascinating. I thought the, um, I thought the actual kind of geometry of the plant itself was fascinating, and I loved the color. Now, when I say the color, I'm talking about the color of the marine as it was growing in the in the the um, the garden. And so initially, I did some quick sketches, uh, took some photographs. And my friend very kindly uh, allowed me to take the two um, flowers. So I took them home and I spent quite some time just looking at them as they were and watching them slowly, slowly fade. Mm. And after I would say, you know, I, I probably was working on another piece at the time. In fact, I was. But after quite some time, I, I, I kind of, as I, I, I kept watching the two Nareens, they actually completely died and faded away. And I had them sitting in a vase in my studio. My studio tends to be constantly full of dried things. Uh, <laughs> they're on the mantelpiece behind me. I don't know if you can make it out of everything from hydrangea to an allium to whatever. Yeah. Uh, so at one point I spotted the, the, just the form of the Nareens. And I just thought in that moment when they had almost completely lost all kind of life, they were just incredibly beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I, I find myself constantly attracted to um, capturing plants in that moment where, you know, they literally move from life to death. You know, and I suppose that for me has become a great fascination in recent past. So I, I, I just started to draw and draw and draw. I took lots and lots of photographs and I had the, the, the subject in front of me. And so I decided that to do it justice, I wanted to magnify it, which I often do. Um, I like working in large format uh, because, again, I think it kind of captures both, it allows me to capture the detail, but also the kind of, it allows me to express the, um, my kind of emotive response, you know, to the, to the subject. So that's kind of it. So it's kind of, you know, usually I find a subject in a garden, in a botanic garden or in the hedgerow, um, I draw and draw and draw, I take lots of photographs, and then if possible, I bring it back to the studio. If it's in a botanic garden, obviously you can't always do that. Um, so, you know, that's kind of really how it works. Yeah. Amazing. But it's a slow process, it's a slow process. I probably worked on that over a period of about three months, I would say, from start to finish.
It's just beautiful. It, was, it really, really struck me when you were sending them out. Um, and, and we will share these. We do have them. Mary's been kind enough um, to share these images with us. So if you aren't on our email list, um, we're very, very happy to, to send them out. Um, but I just love that piece. I thought it was so um, just gorgeous. Another really interesting piece kind of from the articles as well is I, I had no idea uh, that this was so, but the way that we classify plants is by their shape and lots of really intricate mm. details, but not their color. Mm. So in fact, like when it comes to, you know, giving the right names to things and understanding and, and putting in categories the way that we did, um, you know, during this extraordinary golden age of discovery and exploration when Darwin was on his ships and all of these people were going out and trying to give names to things. We never, really bothered so much with color uh, when it came to flowers, which when I think of flowers, the first thing I think of is how beautiful and bright they are. But it wasn't something that we used to actually categorize them. Yeah, yeah it's just incredible. And, it, and it's actually, it's sorry, Autumn, for interrupting you there, but it's kind of interesting when you see, like some of you might have read about Alice Tangerini, who mm. is the botanical illustrator who works uh, in the Smithsonian in Washington and um, I, I've actually met her. Um, she's a wonderful artist and she's a fellow member of the American Society of Botanical Artists. But when you see the work that Alice, that, um, that she does and when you see the work of other artists like Lucy Smith in um, the UK, um, you know, they're working specifically with scientific institutions and the intention, their intention usually is to capture every single detail of a plant, some of which are completely new to science. And so every aspect of the plant needs to be depicted extremely clearly. They tend in their illustrations to um, very often capture the work in or capture the plant in, using pen, pen and ink. And by using pen, again, it, like to, to, just to kind of echo what you're saying, Autumn, color is not necessarily a feature, you know? Um, but the pen, I suppose, allows them to simply focus on all of the, you know, say, uh, every single bit of the scientific information that needs to be, that needs to be described. Um, and it uh, and it seems to work very well. Um, Bauer would have been a botanical artist, uh, you know, from the an Austrian botanical artist mm -hmm. from the eighteenth um, century. And it's funny, you know, when he was working, he would have travelled to Australia and um, depicted plants. And when he was trying to depict plants and paint plants, one of the things he did was he, um, he developed his own color scheme so that he would do, yeah, so that he would actually, he would actually make his initial sketches in situ and he would have a, a particular kind of color scheme and he would just assign numbers to the different parts of the plant. Because obviously, you know, he, he would have collected plants and maybe pressed them and brought them back. And when he would return home to his studio, 
he would then, when he would go to make his artwork or make his painting, he would be able to refer back to his color scheme. So, you know, and, and it was just by numbers. So, um, yeah, it's kind of interesting, the various different kind of um, methods that artists have applied to their artwork over the years. But yeah, it's, um, I suppose color is definitely, mm, you know, it's it's been definitely used, I suppose, in uh, much more by contemporary artists than it would have by um, artists from the past. But uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting that you can actually very accurately describe a plant without using it. Yeah, and I, I think that's amazing, Mary. Thank you so much for, for that. Yeah, that amazing insight into colour in botanical art. I mean, I think as well, um, one of the conversations that Autumn and I were having um, in advance of the reading group talked a little bit about how, and um, how this idea of colour as being something that in scientific terms, you can absolutely, you know, quantify it. Like it's like, as you said, it's it, like as Autumn was, was saying to me, you know, you can measure it across a spectrum. You know, it's this, um, it's this kind of thing that you can actually attribute a value to, whereas then from the perspective of art and aesthetics, colour is something that's so subjective and that its use and, it's, and how it's used within the artwork can be something that's totally different. So it's so fascinating there what you were saying about this particular artist who, who quantified them, his colours by numbers um, in order to kind of bridge that divide between those two separate ways of maybe thinking of and looking at colour. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But, um, and, and certainly for me, I would say that when I work, colour is hugely important you know um because i suppose for me my work would tend to be much more um kind of focusing on the aesthetic maybe than the pure illustrative um aspect of making botanical art so for me the aesthetics of color are hugely are hugely important um, and I think for, you know, I, I mean, there, we, we chatted about this um, before when we were talking, but um, there does seem to be a line um, that some people, you know, cross um, between those focus mainly on botanical art in terms of, you know, focusing on the scientific illustrative end point and those who kind of focus on botanical art as kind of much more of an emotive kind of expressive art form you know and some there there are people i suppose you know in the genre who cross over and you know easily kind of go from one to the other there are some who focus mainly on illustration and there are others who i would say would be more comfortable in um, in the, the world of botanical art as such in terms of kind of as an aesthetic um, expression. I mean, absolutely. And particularly, I think um, in the profile of Alice Tangerini um, that, that we sent out to people, you know, there is that, that, that kind of strong opener that I'd love to, to hear what um, our, our uh, participants think of when uh, she, she says, you know, she kind of almost overtly says that uh, she thinks of botanical illustration um, as art in the service of science. And myself and Autumn think that, that, you know, both of us very interested in our own research about this whole idea of the hierarchy of, of art and science and when they mix and who's on top 
top and those differentials of power. And I just thought that was so interesting that mm. like exactly as you were saying there, that oftentimes it's, it's this idea of, of, you know, what, what is, what is, uh, what different perspective is, is illuminating what and who, you know, who's actually benefiting from this and what is the kind of end goal of the botanical art or the botanical illustration. It's, it's such a fascinating discussion and I'd love to hear what our, what our, um, our participants think once, once we get everyone, we open up the Q and A. Yeah. even boil down too to like who your audience is so is your audience scientists or is your audience the public and it really does you know kind of help reframe i think or just give another perspective to how we understand the purpose of the artwork and again within the readings referencing there was something that said um you know botanical illustrations versus botanical art are, are, are at odds with one another they are two separate things instead of something that perhaps exists along a kind of continuum where mm -hmm. maybe you're a little bit more towards the botanical illustration side and you're interested in the anatomy of the plant and documenting these very 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 fine details or maybe you're towards the aesthetic and you're making a few color choices or adjustments or like you said Mary catching the plant at a very specific time mm -hmm. in its life where we're seeing, we're seeing the fade and that's what we're, we're documenting and trying to perhaps elicit an emotional response. So I suppose in your own words, what I'd be interested to know is where you feel, maybe you fall on that spectrum. Where are you on that continuum? Well, I suppose, you know, initially, um, it's funny, you know, I suppose it would have been the, my motivation in studying botanical art and focusing on botanical art um, would have been, you know, my fascination, my my fascination for science and and plants and and, and botany. Um, you know, I was very lucky to have had a very good friend who sadly is gone now, um, who lost the sight of one eye. He was you know, an elderly gentleman, he had been a colleague of mine, teaching colleague of mine, lost the sight of an eye, of one eye after he retired. And he, um, I suppose when he lost the sight of his eye, he began to see the world in, in a new way. And he, his background was in science. Um, so when he saw the world in a new way, he wanted to, he, he wanted to paint. So he asked me if I would teach him how to paint and uh, look, we had this little exchange where I said, great, I'll teach you how to paint, but I want you to teach me how to read uh, a flora. So I wanted, I suppose the, I was fascinated by botany and by plants at that point, and I really wanted to find out more. And thanks to that, um, you know, Andre earlier spoke about the whole kind of collaborative aspect of, you know, what we're what you're doing this evening, what you're doing, you know, with your interchange uh, between the science gallery and the long room hub. But you know, collaboration is kind of part of all of our lives, really. And certainly for me, um, that relationship where I had the opportunity to to learn from a science point of view, to learn how to read a flora, to learn how to recognize plants in the hedgerows. Something so simple would have been my initial motivation. And yet when I began to study and then explore the art form, I found myself eventually kind of going back to um, the kind of more expressive, emotive, 
uh, motivation that I would say I probably have today. Now, at any point, I can turn around and you know when i when i want when i go to maybe paint a plant i am very conscious of depicting the plant you know the scientific truth of the plant so i need to make sure in my artwork that um you know that that i have effectively the right number of stamens they if leaves are you know alternate or if the stem is square i i'm really conscious of being truthful in the in my depiction of the, the plant but I, at the same time i really want to capture i want to capture the uh, the sense that I have, the very deep kind of sense that I get when I see a particular plant, you know, whether it was, you know, the 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 Noreens when they were just in that beautiful moment where they were almost gone, and yet they had so much dynamism and life in them. Or currently, I'm painting an acanthus, and it too is now very sadly well gone past its prime but you know it was when i spotted it it was in winter the color of the seed pods were just incredible and i had this deep sense that um and it's funny you know uh, i've been working on it over the past few months and I'm, it's the painting that's on my board and I, I i when i first saw it i was very conscious of the poem of the the anthology of poetry by Seamus Heaney you're talking about poetry uh week uh wintering out and um you know initially when I saw that particular plant it brought me back to when I first read those poems by Seamus Heaney and uh and and you know so it was kind of very interesting for me at the time it was the plant and it was the connection with the poetry and just a very deep sense within myself that I wanted to make a painting that was very much about winter. Because so often, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated by the idea of the unbeautiful as opposed to, you know, just the beautiful. And I think that, you know, there is so much beauty in what we kind of cons consider to be unbeautiful so um yeah so look i suppose for me in a nutshell <laughs> to go back i i would find myself more on the on that line i would be very much i suppose uh gearing towards the art form you know as an aesthetic expression as opposed to simply you know just purely illustrative so but I'm, but I'm very conscious of, of the scientific truth at the same time. I love that. And it is something that we, was again, in the readings. And if, if any of you guys haven't gotten the readings, um, Andrea, uh, Director of Science Gallery International and Science Gallery Dublin, just pop them in the chat. So give that a click if you like. Um, but it goes back to this idea of subjective and objective truth. And Seamus Heaney, um, I just so happen to have this book because I've gone through all of his poetry and now this is uh, the government of the tongue and it's essays about poetry that he loves. Um, so 
said earlier, I don't know that much about art and that's very, it's, it's mostly true from an academic standpoint, um, but I, I, I love it and I consume heaps of it um, because sometimes it's okay not to, not to have a deep academic understanding of something, but just to react emotionally to it. And I think mm -hmm. there's something about Seamus Heaney's poetry, particularly as somebody who, who, who grew up in, in a rural area, writing about the land and the farm and the seasons that is so universal and it's so easy to just feel and, and, and relate to and, and emote. But he has this incredible quote actually about science and, and art. And he was writing about um, a gentleman who was uh, the chief research immunologist at the Institute for clinical experimental medicine in Prague, so a very serious man who also wrote poetry. Um, not to say that poetry is not very serious. Um, <laughs> but he said that artists and scientists are both guardians of the right names of things and both find themselves driven to reflect on the necessity of truth. That the right name is the first step towards truth, which makes things things and us us, which conjures away any peril of nameless things and helps us live. Um, and I think it's just a really extraordinary thing to reflect on the ways in which science and art both pursue and reflect truth, but from totally different perspectives um, coming at from totally different. Um, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, and even just like, honestly, Mary, like on the, the whole relationship between poetry and plants, and like you were saying there, just to echo Autumn, um, I know we were discussing as well that it was impossible to look at your, um, the, the work you shared with your pomegranate study and not immediately think of Ivan Boland, who of course we sadly lost um, just last week. And I, I just found myself, because I know you'd sent me those studies before mm -hmm. um, um, Ivan Boland died, and then to come back to, and look at your pomegranate and it's suddenly so imbued with this. Um, I think I can share my screen now, so hopefully people will get a chance to look at it, but it's just so impossible to, to not think of Ivan Boland looking at that piece. And um, even though, uh, as you say, it was composed before her death. So it's, you know, just that relationship again, that conversation that you have there between those two different modalities of discourse is like another whole element, I think, of the interdisciplinary nature, nature of the whole botanical illustrations endeavor. Um, so thank you so much, yeah, for 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 um for this this insight. I mean, we've gone a little bit over time in terms of how much we wanted to uh, to speak to you, and I know we could continue this conversation, but it would it wouldn't be a reading group if we didn't um turn over at least a little bit now to um some of our comments, yeah, our comments and questions. And thank you so much to everybody for um your wonderful questions and comments. I've been keeping an eye on them as they come in here. Um, hopefully we'll get a chance to um to go to at least mention most people's comments. Um, but uh, if we don't get a chance to get to your questions. Apologies for that, because a lot of a lot of wonderful comments have come in. Um, we might start off with um, some. So there's there's lots of questions coming in for you, Mary, um, to put you on even even more on the spot. Um, we might start with um, one question from. Um, actually, a colleague of, of myself and Autumn's uh, is Claire Moriarty, uh, who is a postdoctoral uh, research fellow in the Hub, and she's uh, Claire is currently working on um, mathematics and Bishop Barclay, and very kindly actually ran uh, one of the uh, in-person sessions we had for the reading group. So watch the space because we might do um, we might do a further session with Claire. Um, I know Autumn tantalisingly earlier mentioned um, the the strange story of a mathematician who blew his own hands off, and that's that's Claire's uh, field of expertise. 
um, and he he talks a lot about color and geometry. So that is getting well well ahead of um, ahead of ourselves here. But I'll go on to Claire's uh, question. So Claire says, "Thank you so much, Mary. Uh, thrilling to listen to you to uh, to listen to you describe your beautiful work. I was thinking about the legacy of detailed drawings in science. The first mm -hmm. book ever published by the Royal Society, the oldest scientific society, at least in Europe, was Hooke's Micrographia in 1665, and I had." but it was only his drawings of insects and creature parts under the new microscopes. But I've just realized that he was also looking at plant cells and that his drawing of the plant cell became the way that all of the, that scientific community could discuss that bit of shared evidence. Um, how do you think about the preservation slash sharing elements of capturing in detail the sort of thing that often very, people, very few people get to see because they are rare and if they have short lives and they have short life cycles and wither, et cetera? I think it is um, very, it is certainly uh, a tremendous kind of honour to be able to capture detail and to capture um, information and to kind of share it. You know, the world is a very small place and thankfully more and more um, people are becoming aware of opportunities where you can actually access uh, visual information. Um, so I look for me when I'm capturing information, you know, as I examine a plant, I am as conscious uh, very often of um, my, you know, wish to capture it from my own point of view as I am um, I, or I'm as conscious of, of capturing it for an audience as I am for myself. And, you know, the, the world, as I said, is, you know, it's a very small place, but the botanical art community um, in the world has become a very kind of vibrant community. And more and more people now are who are involved in either art or science or botanical art are engaging with with each other and engaging with their communities and i think even in ireland um the very fact that we have an irish society of botanical artists who show work of botanical artists who are from ireland and who are members of the uh, society they, we show in you know various different venues around the country, but mainly in the in the botanic gardens, in the National Botanic Gardens. Um, there, the society have had every year, every second year rather, for the last number of years, they've had they've run a major project where they the members have made work and shown it in the botanic gardens and that work is available for the the whole country to come and view and see and now happily withdrawn from nature um botanical art is getting a most wonderful uh, opportunity to to be seen by you know uh, you know again by a national audience so um I think I suppose I'm very conscious of the fact that we are part of a worldwide community, but in Ireland, um, botanical art has enjoyed tremendous um, a kind of new opportunities really to be seen and to be admired and to be enjoyed. And I hope that 
um, you know, the work that we do as botanical artists actually encourages more curiosity and encourages people to kind of see their, the world of nature and the, the, the world that we live in, in, um, in, in maybe a little bit more of um, an, an informed way, you know. So, yeah, look, Absolutely. you know, thank you. Absolutely. No, thank you, Mary. And I think that you've almost answered some of the questions, other questions that have that have come in with that answer. Um, I know some people were asking about, you know, how you feel your art negotiates the boundary between um, how we see ourselves and how we see the ecological world. So I think you've kind of really, really tapped into that there. Um, Anique Burrow, I hope I pronounced your name right, uh, asks, uh, with the new knowledge about plants, um, especially at the molecular level, has it changed your work? So is doing the portrait of the plant um, that includes illustrating their, it, sorry, so does, does the portrait of the plant also, um, I suppose, carry with it an understanding of the inside? And I know we were talking about that cellular mm. uh, scientific mm -hmm. knowledge, how that might influence the finished piece. Yeah, actually, it's, it's kind of, it's very interesting. Sometimes when I work and, uh, you know, lots of other art, botanical artists would be very similar, um, very often, I like to uh, maybe magnify one aspect or some aspects of the of the plant to just really explore the detail. And again, you know, uh, I'm just thinking in terms of say one particular piece that I that I painted a number of years ago, where I was capturing a number of plants from um, an area actually in North Tipperary, close to where I used to live, and uh there's a beautiful little blue flower that grows in it grows there grows in lots of places but it's a milkworth and one of the things that i decided to do when i was making this particular painting was to kind of take the the, the parts of the flower and um underneath my painting my painting kind of in, included a, a kind of snapshot it was like a, a a field study really, but I had an orchid, I had a milkwort, I had a mountain everlasting, carline thistle. Um, but I took the milkwort and I dissected it and I did some graphite drawings and I included them across the end, the bottom of the painting, almost as a as a base. Um, and I think for me um, it it kind of brought a little bit more information to the painting itself or to the to the field study, but it also, I think, hopefully pointed me and, you know, whoever would see the piece, my audience, towards exploring and examining detail, you know, when you actually do see a plant, that there is more than you see. Sometimes, you know, I find if I work in large format, I'm painting in large format because I want you to see what I see. But also, I think when you magnify one part or di do a dissection and show all of the, dis the, the dissected drawings, you know, it's achieving the same end, hopefully. Amazing. Uh, we've got a couple questions uh, from Veronica de la Kalina. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, very cool name, anyway. Uh, <laughs> so the first question, uh, two from her, is do you have a favorite color? to which you go back to again and again and again? And 
have you ever been interested in mushrooms? The reason I wanted to pull out this question too is because it reminds me very specifically of another extraordinary um, illustrator um, and mycologist, somebody who's interested in mushrooms and or studies mushrooms, though this woman was actually not famous um, as a scientist or a mycologist, she was famous as a writer. Um, the fabulous, uh, I want to say Bellatrix so badly, a group with Harry Potter, it's terrible, Beatrix Potter. Um, uh, she, she had these incredible drawings of mushrooms and and it was another way, uh, kind of getting back to that women and, and, and barriers to science, uh, for a, a long, long time, women were valued for the beauty that they brought into the home, whether as beautiful creatures themselves, um, the producers of beautiful, healthy babies, or women who could play music, sing for their husbands, or make pretty pictures. Sometimes these pretty pictures included um, these very, very detailed drawings of mushrooms, like what Beatrix Potter um, created, and some extraordinary uh, Marina, I think, Maria, Maria Marina uh, comes to mind. She was an American woman who made, or a German woman who made some incredible drawings. And, but they were able to, to get away with during a time when women were still property and making these beautiful drawings that added you know, some aesthetic pleasure to a home, but actually all of those loving details um, and the anatomy of a plant that you've been talking about too, and that scientific appreciation of the structure of these plants, uh, you know, back when anatomy, uh, anatomy of, of plants first became um, popular or interesting, it was a life and death situation. We needed to know which plants uh, were medicinal and which plants were dangerous. Mm -hmm. so very fine details that could tell and observe the difference. And so if, if you could just go into a little detail, favorite color to work with, do you ever work with mushrooms? And can you talk a little bit too about that sort of high stakes game of when, you know, the anatomy of a plant was actually mm -hmm. kind of a life and death thing, knowing the difference and being able to, to tell what the taxonomy of that plant really was. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but you're a star. We believe in you. <laughs> Can you see that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's the palette I'm working with at the moment. Okay. So it's kind of got a little bit of red, a little bit of pink, a little bit of yellow, a little bit of blue. Okay. <laughs> um, my favorite color, I suppose. Mm, I love red. I love pink. But I am currently really loving the really deep, dark, browny, bluey greens that I'm working with at the moment. So I really honestly would have to say I love pink, okay? <laughs> Me too. But I absolutely am loving rich, deep, dark, browny, purpley, bluey greens at the moment as well. So there you go. That's color. Um, Mushrooms, I find absolutely fascinating. Mm. Um, I, you know, I've, I've, I just haven't painted any and I haven't spent really any time kind of focusing on them. I, I, I really get to paint very little in terms of kind of, you know, range of subjects. I tend to make maybe about six paintings every year. 
so um it's not very it's not very many because my work is so slow so someday um definitely because i think they're utterly fascinating and yeah i mean when i think about the kind of life and death and the you know botanical art in terms of being on the edge and as a woman i suppose i am very conscious of you know well first of all i suppose we're living in a time where um you know there is a lot that we do not know and these days we are discovering more and more i suppose and it's a very humbling thing to know that there is a huge world of science in particular out there that is yet to be discovered is yet to be known um but i suppose i'm also very conscious of the fact that we are that i was born you know at a time when you know i can benefit from the knowledge and the exploration and the discoveries that have gone before me so all of that i suppose tends to kind of give you some comfort because you know you, okay i know that uh, there are certain plants that i do not touch and there are others you know in terms of say even when you think about mushrooms that you can happily kind of pick from a field and bring them home and put them on the frying pan you know so anyway look i suppose the other thing i would say in terms of um the you know just being aware of a, as a woman and a female artist um i i think again that we are lucky in that we are now living at a time when women are you know much more free to uh, express we're free to express ourselves we're free to explore the world you know on an equal footing with men and only right that is um and many of the botanical artists that have gone before us were not as free and yet it seems to me that the women who you know came to the fore as botanical artists they were revolutionary you know and there is one that that strikes me that i that i have a little bit of a personal connection with um and her name was charlotte cuff um charlotte charlotte cuff charlotte lady she's a, she was a lady she was a lady i believe in every way but uh <laughs> lady charlotte wheeler cuff she was born in england and she married otway wheeler cuff who was from actually his family were from Kilkenny. Um, and he was an engineer. And shortly after they got married, they went to live in Burma. This was at the end of the last century. And they lived in Burma, where he oversaw engineering projects um, between Burma and India. And they lived in Burma for many years. And um, during that time, she painted she painted the plants in her garden she painted orchids that were hanging from the trees mainly epiphytic orchids that were you know growing close by she was fascinated by everything from you know orchids to painting landscapes to um you know engaging with people she loved people she loved painting she loved plants and um she discovered about five new plants to science which um she would 
take seeds or take cuttings and send them back to actually to a cousin of hers um, who would then send them to the Botanic Gardens in Dublin and to the director of the Botanic Gardens, Frederick Moore, and then he might have sent them on to Kew. Um, she would have painted these plants in Burma, but she came back to Ireland when he retired, when they both retired in 1921, and they lived in Lyrath State in, um, in Kenny. And I grew up in Kilkenny. Um, I'm living in Kilkenny now. And it's funny, you know, growing up in Kilkenny, I never knew about Charlotte Cough until um, in the 1990s, um, my dad had a connection with the, you know, the, uh, the uh, Captain Topper, who was the grand nephew, I think, of, um, of, Otway Wheeler Cuff and he then owned the estate. Charlotte Cuff lived there until she was just short of her 100th birthday. She died in 1967 um, and th before she died she um, actually donated her vast um, collection and archive of paintings and also letters to the um, National Botanic Gardens in Glasnevin. And um, I was very lucky that my dad, who knew Captain Topper, was given a gift. And the gift was a gift of a stool that had been hand painted by Charlotte. Um, it was signed by her when she, in 1888 when she was 21. And the, the stool is here, I'm going to show it to you. Um, but I suppose I'm very conscious of the fact that this is the stool and there's her painting of a bramble on the top of the stool and signed by her just underneath there. Okay. Um, and I, I suppose I look at that stool, I'm very lucky that my dad gave it to me and when I look at that stool, it really reminds me that as botanical artists today, we are very much part of a continuum of people who have gone before us, who have explored, you know, strange lands, who have, um, you know, gone to the top of mountains, who have opened their eyes, who have looked at plants that they have seen, uh, who've been equally curious and equally in, um, I suppose enthusiastic about uh, you mentioned earlier autumn about naming you know uh, plants and the connection between a name and knowing your subject or knowing that sense of knowing and um, connection you know it's it's a very intimate thing but it also is a starting point for most of us in terms of I suppose, our exploration of science. And as an artist, it's very often starting point for me in terms of, you know, where do I, where do I, how do I express this sense that I have of this plant? And how do I capture the information that I am, that, that I learned and that I, that I want to share with the world, you know? So I, I feel very blessed and very, um, 
I suppose very blessed and very lucky to have happened upon this amazing art form and also to have had opportunities to be part of that kind of continuum and and I love opportunities like this and, and thank you for making this opportunity uh, happen you know where the art form is 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 having you know it's 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 kind of being shared to a wider audience and um and hopefully more some of you people who have had the opportunity to kind of engage in this evening will kind of look at botanical art in a new way as a result i know absolutely, absolutely. yeah, yeah absolutely. i also wanted to say too like in a lot of ways Art, science can instrumentalize art, make an instrument out of it, and use art as a way to communicate a science. But in the work that you've described, in the work of Charlotte, the work of Beatrix Potter, and the work of all of these extraordinary explorers, discoverers, adventurers, and artists, they are not instruments of science. They are very much contributors. These discoveries are, are made together um, mm -hmm. and and you know the naming of things happens as a team and I think it's really really fascinating to see what happens when art and science come together on equal footing and I think to kick our um, inaugural virtual discussions off for reading group um, it's just a real pleasure to to kick them off with you and and with botanical artworks it's just been extraordinary so thank you too for sharing that story and you're still and by the way are we in your studio right now is that where you're beaming yeah from? can we have a little little, little <laughs> <laughs> oh no i'm on take i'm gonna i'll now my studio is not exactly we're in classy now um no bother. Um, perhaps, Mary, Mary, yeah, per perhaps, Mary, while you're getting set up, just to give us a little virtual tour. Um, we will Great. say, sadly, as, as you, as you, our attendees might have guessed, we are coming to the close of our, um, of our discussion and would that we had more time because I know this conversation could just go on and on. Um, just maybe, so I'm very sorry to everybody um, who we didn't get a chance to ask your questions to Mary because people are, are, um, are asking some really, really fantastic uh, questions here. So sorry we didn't get a chance to get to everyone. Um, particularly of note, maybe, is just um, uh, thank you to Audrey Walsh, who is, uh, was posting in some very informative stuff to us about um, Ireland's um, tradition of, um, and le legacy of botanical artists. Um, she mentioned just a few, Lydia Shackleton, Francis, Francis Edgeworth, yeah. Eileen Barnes, Anne Elizabeth Bull, Moira Barry, and I know there's Ellen Hutchins, um, who is another a botanical artist who's, who's recently become, to get, become quite popular. There's an Ellen Hutchins festival, so thank you for that. Um, and we will also um, do our best, our very best, to collate the links that everybody is sharing. I know people are really collaborating here and, and putting some amazing links in, so we'll try to make sure that um, the links get sent to everybody um, after the event so that people can follow up um, on this these wonderful resources that we're all pooling together and um, but Mary do you want to give us I, I see your setup there do you want to give us a, a little tour well uh, I'm just this is the acanthus that I spoke about earlier can you see it yeah, yeah. amazing okay so it's definitely as you can see uh, it's very much gone, gone past its prime it's definitely in the unbeautiful stage I think <laughs> um, so just to have a look at some of my palettes very briefly here. And so uh, I work with, look, you know, I work with usually two brushes at the 
at the same time. So I'm trying to see where as, oh yeah. So very tiny brushes uh, and some brushes, some of my brushes actually are just a little bit bigger, but they're very fine uh, watercolor brushes and they're usually sable. And, uh, and then when I'm working, so I'm building up detail. You can see here just lots of different layers of color. So it's very slow. Um, so anyway, that's just, this is more or less all kind of at the first layer and then I'll just build up and build up and build up and uh, eventually, hopefully, get it finished. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I know that was a little bit off the cuff, um, but it's always really exciting to see the process of whatever it is that somebody's creating, whether it's a process that we see in a laboratory or in a studio. Um, it's always a real treat to actually, yeah, get a look behind the scenes. So <laughs> thank you for being such a good sport. And I appreciate well. that. <laughs> and thank you again. Thank you again, both of you. And thank you, everybody. Thank you to The Long Room and to um, the Science Gallery for inviting me. I've, I've you know, really appreciated the opportunity. Really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, thank you so much again. Like I said, sadly, we're, we're at our end, but thank you so much to everybody who sent in questions again. Sorry we didn't get a chance to, uh, to answer them, um, but we will absolutely be, be sending around some follow-up information on that because I feel we've only just scratched the surface. Um, but Mary, thank you sincerely from the bottom of our hearts um, for joining us tonight. Um, it was such... <laughs> <laughs> We have our canned applause there. Thank you for Jessica for sharing. <laughs> Never gets old, that kind of croak park uh, roar. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much. Um, I think there's probably not much else left to do apart from just to thank everybody uh, from Science Gallery and from the Hub again. Um, and yeah, and Autumn, maybe to remind people about our next session. Very quick thing. So next session is going to be um, weird and wonderful. Uh, we are moving on to our art is going to be poetry and bacteria. We're going to be talking about the poetry of Christian Boak. Um, and this is, so I have to give credit where credit is due. This is 100% on Amelia's PhD research. Not so much mine. Um, so I will be coming there as like definitely a big time learner uh, with you guys as well. Um, but it's going to be really, really weird and wonderful. And we cannot wait to kind of continue the series with you guys. Um, and there's going to be, a, I think, a feedback survey that's going to go around. So if there's ways that we can improve, make this better, um, include you guys more. I know you all had some incredible questions that we really wanted to get to. I'm looking at some of them now, and we're so sorry we ran out of time, but Mary Dillon's so awesome. We want to talk to her too. Mm -hmm. um, but if there's a way that we can improve, do, do send us those suggestions. This is uh, for for you guys and for us, we just want to geek out about the, what happens at the crossroads of art and science. So uh, be sure to give us that feedback. And yeah, to echo what my co-founder and partner in crime has been saying, uh, thanks for joining us and going on this weird and wonderful uh, trip um, this evening. So from our quarantine caves to yours, wherever you are in the world, stay safe. Stay curious, and we'll see you May 20th um, to talk about bacteria and poetry. We'll hope to see you there. Thanks so much, everyone. The Thank Hub you. is a community. Manuscript, book, and print cultures, stamping provenance Languages towards the history of the Timor Library. As well as being heard. 
The hub is a space contemplating Ireland through the communities created by Coral The hub is about impact. The hub is for everyone. Here's to the next 10 years.